Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Uh, These are uh, interesting times. We're in the last days. And uh, my sermon title today is There's a New World Coming. And uh, But before we get into that, now my son is in uh, Los Angeles and he's probably streaming with us. And it just so happens to be his 33rd birthday today. Stephen, we love you. Happy birthday. And pay your tithes. Amen. In fact, uh, since we don't receive tithes and offerings the way we have been in the past, you can give online or at the end of the service, drop your tithe, your offering, your gift into the buckets and the Stedka boxes as you leave. Thank you so much for your support. New Beginnings is flat out getting her done here in the community, in Israel, in Africa, in Haiti. So thank you for all your support. Praise the Lord. Well, you don't get to see me much because I'm always up in the TV control room. Uh, uh, I've been helping pastor do television for many a moons. Our first television service was on January 1st, 1994 on Lester Summerall Station, Lassie. And I produced that way back then. And all these many moons later, here we is, still getting the job done, preaching the gospel, publishing the word. But it was, it was uh, 36 years ago this past March uh, that Lydia and I walked into a mega church in Seattle, gave our lives to the Lord. Talk about a game changer. Anybody else have a game changing encounter with Jesus Christ? And uh, it's one that we've never regretted. I mean, there's no regret serving the Lord. Amen. At the very least, you know you're on your way to heaven. That's a good deal. Our sins are forgiven. Curses are broken. Blessings are released. Amen. It's the full meal deal. And uh, part of what makes it a full meal deal is is that uh, uh, just like you, we made a 180. We took a 180 in our lives. We were heading in the devil's direction, and suddenly, by the power of God and our confession of faith, bam! (laughs) We're heading in a new direction. We got, as our church is called, a new beginning, and we're not squandering that new beginning. Anybody resemble that remark today? Well, way back then, uh, I immediately felt a call of God on my life. And uh, both of us immediately got involved in children's ministry. Uh, We attended every service, every event. When the church doors flew open, we flew in. It's been that way for 36 years, right? Uh, And uh, I didn't want to just be a churchgoer. I wanted to dig into the word of God and find out what the covenant meant and promised to me and my family and my future. And so I enrolled into the Bible college at our church up in Seattle, a two-year full-time ministry training program, and just poured myself into the word. And while in Bible college, you know, you study everything, we studied a fancy uh, uh, subject called eschatology. Anybody ever heard about eschatology? It's the study of the end times. Uh, It's the study of history before it happens. And there's some things that God has already said that are going to happen that haven't happened yet. And that's why I entitled this sermon this morning, There's a New World Coming. God has said there's some things that are going to come into this world that are for some going to be the best of times, the greatest thing that could ever happen in our lives is about to come on us. 
And for others that don't have your enthusiasm and love and commitment to the Lord, uh, not so much. Hopefully that will change. But one of the takeaways from all those classes from my professor, my teacher, that really has stuck with me all these years is that uh, he, he would teach that the closer that we get to the coming of Jesus, the easier it's going to be to know what side you're on. And that's always just stuck with me. God said it's going to become more and more plain and simple for mankind to see if they're serving the devil or if they're serving the Lord. So there'll there'll be no excuse. It's going to be plain and simple and no one's going to be able to, well, I didn't know. No, we're, all you got to do, unless you're living under a rock, is open your eyes and see we are living in some turbulent times right now, and we'll get into this as the morning goes on. But uh, the study of end times uh, and Bible prophecy has a blessed side, but it also has a chaotic side. But for you and I as believers, our future is secure. There can be so much social chaos going around, but you have and I have, we have an inner peace because we know what the future holds. We've already read history in advance. And God says for you and I, things are going to be good. Amen. Amen. And so may God's divine guidance, God's peace, God's wisdom, God's protection cover us all, no matter what it looks like out there. In here, oh, in here, did you see my new t-shirt? Church is essential. I'm an essential worker and you're an essential believer. But in our hearts, we know everything's going to be all right. Amen. And so what we're seeing right now in America and around the world, there's never been a time like this. The whole world's never shut down. We've never seen things like we're seeing right now. And so many of us realize, man, the coming of the Lord could happen at any moment. Amen. And uh, I truly believe that this could be the year we see the return of the Lord. If not this year, in our lifetime, we're going to see the coming of the Lord. And so when you study Bible prophecy, eschatology, the end times, the most important thing out of everything isn't to know about 666 and the mark of the beast and the false prophet and the antichrist. We'll study that and learn about that. But the most important thing is, are you ready to go when the end of this age comes and the new world that God has planned is upon us? Are you ready to be one of those saints that go marching in? Amen. I'm ready. Turn and tell somebody, if you're socially distanced, are you ready? Amen. So judgment day is coming. And for the church, judgment day is called the rapture. The rapture of the church is when you and I will meet the Lord in the air and forever be with him for all of eternity. Though we've been there 10,000 years, it will be like we just begun. And when you start studying the rapture and all these end time events, you can kind of look at uh, the, the second coming of the Lord as happening in two stages. The first stage is the rapture. And as I said, it's when we meet the Lord in the clouds. We're taken to heaven for a seven year period. We'll be with the Lord in heaven. And while we're there over that seven-year period, there'll be what's called the judgment seat of Christ, where we'll be judged not because of our sin. Where's our sin right now? Under the blood. 
but we will be judged for the works that we did or didn't do while we were here on earth. That's why you don't want to be the one that is, it's said of when it's all said and done, there was always more said than done. <laughs> don't be that guy. Get busy. Get doing something. Get involved. Like my dad, who was my football coach in high school, get a helmet and get in the game, son. <laughs> Amen. The judgment seat of the Messiah. It's the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be celebrating and worshiping and partying with the Lord for seven years. We're going to receive rewards for the work that we did here on earth. And all of that eternal praise and worship, it'll never stop. I can tell you what's going on in heaven right now. Praise and worship. Just endless praise and worship. And when we get into heaven along with all of the celestial beings, there's going to be more and more praise and worship from every tongue, every tribe, every language, every people, all gathered together as one, worshiping the Lord. What an unbelievable event. The rapture is going to happen, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye. Suddenly, something changed. In a moment of time, now you see him, now you don't. And I can uh, assure you, it's something you don't want to miss. So if, if you or you at home have been struggling with your salvation, struggling on why you should serve the Lord, I read Christian uh, websites and I'm seeing now that certain Christian leaders and so forth are renouncing their faith. That's, this is not a good time to renounce your faith. This is the time where you need to press in with all your heart and all your soul and you need to pledge your allegiance to the Lamb of God. And if someone says you can't do that, all the more you rise up in love, you rise up in power, you rise up in victory and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. But you don't want to miss the rapture. Matthew 24, verse 40, Andy and I mentioned this this morning in Torah study, talks about the rapture. Jesus said, two men will be working in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Ever read the books or watch the movie Left Behind? This, this is it. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. Of course, we know 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Lord himself, verse 16, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. Oh man, I can't wait to hear the trumpet of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. This is our future our future is secure. We know where we're headed. We love the Lord. And whenever that time comes, even though no man knows the day or the hour, we will be in that number and forever be with the Lord. Matthew 16, 24 says, The Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge or reward all people according to their deeds. So get busy working, get busy living. Revelation 1.7 says, look, he comes with the clouds of heaven and everyone will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the nations of the world were, will mourn for him. 
which means they'll realize their sin and their guilt and they'll anticipate the coming wrath. So the rapture is part of the new world that's coming. And there's many signs or what you've heard of as birth pangs. One of the main signs of the coming of the Lord has already happened. Pastor Larry goes into detail about this in his new book called The Seven Living Prophecies. The sign that he talks about, that the Bible talks about, is Israel reforming as a nation. And that happened in May of 1948. And in Jesus talking about the disciple, well, Jesus, when when are you coming back? How will we know that you're on your way back? And he says in Matthew 24, 34, Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. What generation? The generation that sees Israel reformed as a nation. Amen. Amen. You and I are that generation. Praise God pastor in his book and of course the bible go into great detail how israel is at the center of god's plans for the end times and as the time draws closer those who will bless israel will enjoy an outpouring of blessing like they've never seen before. Do we have any saints in here that love Israel and want to bless Israel and be a part of God's end time plan? Come on, somebody. But there's the other side. There's those of us who love to live for the Lord. It's our passion It's our priority. But there's others who refuse to live for the Lord. You can even be a believer and be asleep at the wheel. And so even though you had an experience, you might have fallen away from the Lord and you might be on thin ice. I'm not sure which way that goes. But if you're here today or watching at home, I would highly recommend you get your life right with Jesus. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He wants to do great things through you and in you. And once you get that straight and you make a quality decision, your future will be secure. If you go through and we... Obviously, we could do eight weeks on this. If you went through Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 19, you'll read all about those that get left behind. The Bible describes some of the worst experiences you could ever imagine. It's an outpouring of God's judgment on those who refuse and rebel And during this seven years, while you and I have been raptured and we're spending our time at the marriage supper of the Lamb and we're receiving our rewards and we're worshiping and praising, the world will be going through what's called the Great Tribulation. It's an outpouring of God's judgment on those that just refuse. They've dug in their heels and we're going to see as part of this judgment a worldwide suffering. There's going to be more misery and sorrow and death like the world has never seen. But why all of this happens is because God is taking the world through a great jubilee. He's annulling Satan's authority to be the prince of the power of the air over this world. That dominion and authority that Satan took from Adam in the garden, and he's had a measure of that power. Even though Jesus died on the cross, went to the gates of hell, stomped on the devil's head, he still is roaming around as a roaring lion because the final redemption has not happened yet. 
And until that happens, the devil is as a roaring lion trying to kill and steal and destroy and hatch his ungodly plan to counter what God is doing. And so what goes on during the tribulation and all the suffering, all do with uh, Satan's authority being annulled and he's fighting back. The good news is that those of us whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, we're going to be delivered from all of that. We're going to be raptured and spend seven years with the Lord instead of seven years in the worst environment anyone has ever seen. First Thessalonians 5.3 says... When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin. And there will be no escape. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel, a great prophet of God, spoke of many things about the end times. In Daniel 12, 1, he says, At that time, Michael, where's Michael? Happy birthday, Michael. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation, guardian angels, will arise. At the, at the end times, the angels of God, including Michael, the, the, the head Hubangi there, he, we, they will arise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Come on, somebody. We know our future is secure. You love the Lord. You're serving God. And so no matter how bad it looks, you already have a ticket to paradise. Eddie Money got it wrong. His ticket to paradise wasn't talking about heaven. Our ticket to paradise is once that rapture happens and we meet the Lord in the air, we're taken away to heaven for seven years of celebration, worship, and praise, and rewards. But don't be left behind. Don't be left behind because at the same time, those seven years of tribulation are something that is so horrible and so awful. Revelations chapter 6 through chapter 19. I mentioned there was a first stage, the rapture. There's a second stage of the coming of the Lord. And that is what we've called the second coming. That's when at the end of the seven-year tribulation period, uh, when uh, as the army of God, we return with the Lord to fight a battle against the enemies on earth that still refuse and rebel. At the end of that seven years, we leave heaven and come back to earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the commander-in-chief. He's riding a white horse. And he is coming to conquer. And the Bible says that he will slay the enemies of God with the power of his word. One word from the Lord and it's over. Amen. That battle is Armageddon. It's the battle of the ages. And... The Lord and his army, who's in the Lord's army? You are. You didn't know that? Well, you've just been drafted. (laughs) We face off against nations, leaders, and people who defy and rebel against the Lord. Joel chapter 3 verse 2 says, I will gather the armies of the world into the valley of Jehoshaphat, Megiddo. There I will judge them for harming my people. My special passion for scattering my people among the nations and for dividing up my land. Revelation 16, 16 says, And the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name, Har Megiddo, Armageddon, Har Megiddo, 
We've been there. How many have been to Israel and you've been up uh, north in Israel and you've been there and seen the valley where all of this will take place? We already know what's going to happen. People that refuse and rebel, nations, leaders, politicians, celebrities, all the different people that mock and torment Christianity, all of a sudden the judgment day will happen for them. It's a sad day. We don't wish that on anybody. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to know what you and I know. In a matter of moments, it'll be over, an overwhelming defeat. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says <clears throat> that the man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. I'm glad I'm on the Lord's side. <laughs> if you ever had any doubt, if you were thinking, well, I'm just going to keep one foot in the world. And then on Sunday, I'm going to go to church, punch my little time clock, get my hour in, and then get on back to living for the world. That's the lie of the devil. In children's ministry, we used to call it, that's Uncle Bub, the used car salesman. Nothing against used car salesmen. I need a used car. But Uncle Bub says, I'm going to show you how you can live like the devil and still make heaven your home. Lie, lie, lie. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Now here's what we don't realize. Following our great victory at the Battle of Armageddon, we don't get a, a little harp in a cloud and get a bigger belly. That's what Christians think, right? That, that all of the, what's going on, it leads us to a little cloud and a harp, and we just play our harp for all of eternity. Eh -eh. Read your Bible. Go to eschatology class with Pastor Scott. The Lord is coming back to earth with, with his armies and he's going to set up his government here on earth and we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. I didn't know. Stick around. You'll learn more. Guess where the capital city's going to be? Jerusalem. Come on, Jerusalem. That's why that Jerusalem has always been uh, such a battleground. Because the devil's doing everything he can from uh, us preparing the way for the Messiah to come and set up his government. Isaiah 9, 6 is more than a Christmas card. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And that'll be during this thousand year reign. It's also known as the Sabbath millennium. The Sabbath millennium, the thousand year reign of Christ that you learn about in Revelation 20 is uh, the Sabbath millennium. And this is when you and I are ruling and reigning in a brand new world. That world is coming. Don't miss it. This is a time where Satan is bound and his deception and destruction are removed. Revelation 20 verse 1 said, I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the keys to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand and he sees the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. And then afterwards, he must be released for a little while. And then he'll go back around and see if anybody still wants to refuse and rebel. And uh, shockingly, there will still be nations, national leaders, people that will still refuse and rebel after being under God's hand and God's uh, uh, government for a thousand years. But think about this. 
What we just read is basically saying public enemy number one is now out of the way. And there is a genuine new world order. And there's a counterfeit new world order. But you and I will be part of the genuine new world order. And it's going to be the most beautiful, harmonious, peaceful, positive, and prosperous world that you could ever imagine. It's going to be led by the Messiah himself. The Lord Jesus Christ will be on the throne. And Jerusalem will be the headquarters. And the saints of God, you and I, will rule throughout all of the earth. I see mayors here, council people here. Heads of uh, uh, school boards here that are imposing and putting in, installing a godly form of government. Something that our founding fathers were trying to do when they said we will be one nation under God. And under the Messiah's rule, everything's going to happen to a T. Amen. Every nation, every color, every language is going to rejoice and worship the Lord together because God is our ruler and his word is our constitution. The word of God are our founding documents. And the level of love and joy and peace and blessing are going to be off the charts. Amen. Peace, prosperity, unity, joy, a a world without crime, a world without war, a world without poverty. No more strife, no more division, no more hardship, no more sickness. A one world government ruled by Jesus Christ. The evil folks will no longer be in control. No more idolatry, no more sinfulness, no more wickedness. There's a new world coming. Don't you want to be a part of it? Matthew 25, 34 says, The king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Boom! That's what I'm looking forward to. Why do y'all serve God? What is it? What's in it for you? Boom! Eternity with the king. Isaiah 11:9 says, "They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the earth." Zechariah prophesies this new world, and he says in uh, chapter 14, verse 9, he says, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day it shall be, the Lord is one, and his name is one. The thousand-year reign. We could teach on that for another hour. The thousand-year reign is the seventh 1,000-year period from creation. The idea is, is that God gave man dominion on earth. And that dominion would model creation itself. Six days and then the Sabbath. It's the revelation behind a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. You've heard that. Many experts believe we've now lived 6,000 years from creation. And we're now at the very edge of the seventh millennium, the Sabbath millennium, the messianic era, what we just talked about. You need to understand that Lucifer is trying to counterfeit this. He's trying to counterfeit everything that that God has planned. Using deception and dishonesty, he's trying to fool and trick people to live for him instead of for the Lord. He has his own version of a one world government. But instead of Jesus as the leader, he's going to be the leader. Oh my gosh. And you'll see some of that during the tribulation. Satan is a master counterfeiter. 
He is a master criminal. And he's recruited a deep state full of elitists, globalists, celebrities, militant activists, musicians. They're hostile to God. And they're working day and night to instill and install Satan's vision for the new world. His new world order is the very opposite of the Lord's. His new world is cruel, oppressive, tyrannical. It's a one world government that will crush freedom and democracy. Judeo Christianity, we will crush it in Satan's plan. Every nation will bow under a hard, hard, oppressive, tyrannical rule and follow Satan's rules instead of the Lord's. The ultimate ruler of this counterfeit new world will be the Antichrist, the man of sin. He's going to do everything in his power to conquer you and I, to conquer the church, to conquer biblical and Judeo-Christian values and replace them with everything that is just good. I mean, everything that's just bad and ugly. Forget the good. No freedom of speech. No freedom of religion. No freedom of choice, no free markets, no law and order, no pursuit of life, liberty, and happiness. While they try to wrestle control and impose their one new world, there's going to be devastation not only to individual families, there's going to be international devastation on a nuclear scale. What we're going through with the pandemic and some of the economic turmoil, that's going to seem like child's play during the tribulation. Perhaps the most famous teaching on this is Jesus himself in Matthew 24, verse 4. At that time, deception will run rampant. So beware that you're not fooled. For many will appear on the scene claiming my authority. Or saying about themselves, I am God's anointed and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. But don't panic. And don't give in to your fears. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. But it won't yet be the end. It'll still be unfolding. These are the birth pangs. Nations will go to war against each other, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be terrible earthquakes, seismic events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pangs of the new age will begin. So all of this is even happening now. The birth pangs have begun. The rapture is coming. And it will be here sooner than you think. The tribulation is coming. It will be here sooner than you think. And even right now, that's why I got this shirt. Church is essential. Even right now, you see... Government leaders making rules that say what you believe and what you celebrate is unessential. But liquor stores can be open. Pot stores can be open. They're essential. But learning about the truth that will set a man free, you're telling me that's not essential? Church is essential. Somebody shout that out. Church is essential. Jesus went on and said, you can expect to be persecuted, even killed, for you will be hated by all the nations because of your love for me. Then many will stop following me and fall away. Many Many that believe in Jesus will stop following him. Don't be that guy. Lying prophets will arise. 
deceiving multitudes and leading them from the path of truth. There will be such an increase of sin and lawlessness that those whose hearts once burn with passion for God and others will grow cold. But keep your hope. Keep your hope to the end. And you'll experience life and deliverance. Come on. And it goes on from there. Now, this is happening during the tribulation. But we're building up to that as we speak. Many are being offended, betraying one another. They have snitch lines now. Hating one another, deceiving one another, and the love of uh, uh, mankind is growing cold. It's almost like the spirit of lawlessness has been released. The mystery of iniquity is upon us. Satan knows his time is short. And God's new world is coming soon. So he's on this rampage. And he's trying to take as many with him as he can. Thank God we're filled with the Holy Ghost and power. Amen. Thank God we have his wisdom and knowledge. We have his counsel. The counsel of the Spirit is flowing in us. Come on. Thank God we've not been given a spirit of fear. We have God's love, God's power, and a disciplined mind to reject the lies of the devil. And focus ourselves on spiritual things. We have the Lord's protection supernatural protection and deliverance and life will come to those that will stand for the Lord. And then we can preach the gospel. We can continue to take the gospel around the world. And as Jesus says, then the end will come. So in many ways, these are the best of times, but also the worst of times. And leading up to and including the seven-year tribulation, we're going to see the chaos, the anarchy, the mayhem. I've been reading just recently, churches now in America are being assaulted. Enemies of the gospel are going into churches and decapitating statues. Driving their cars through the front door and setting churches in America today on fire. It's the kind of environment the devil wants in order to counter God's plan. Paul describes this in 2 Thessalonians. In verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Brothers and sisters, let me clarify some things about the coming of the Lord and how we'll be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say the day of the Lord has already begun. Some Bible experts say it'll never happen. How can you be a Bible expert and say it can never happen? Verse 3, don't be fooled by what they say. For that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and deify everything that people call God, small g. And he will make himself the uh, object of worship. He'll sit in the temple of God claiming he is God. Don't you remember I told you about this? And you know what is holding him back? For he can be revealed only when his time comes. But lawlessness is already at work secretly and will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. And then we could go on and read more, but we're running out of time. The Apostle Paul is saying someone is holding back the Antichrist, the son of perdition, the spirit of lawlessness and the mystery of iniquity, holding it back from taking us into that tribulation time. 
And the one who stands in his way, as some have been taught, it's not the Holy Spirit standing in the way. It's the people of God, the church, that's standing in the way and holding back darkness. We're the children of light. We're the ones filled with the Holy Ghost and power. We have the living word of God. We've been given dominion and power. And we need to enforce that and apply that every chance we get. We're standing in the way in part so that people can get saved. We need a worldwide revival. The church needs to be praying for revival right now. Amen. There's still time for people to be saved. We can't stand by and see our loved ones miss out. That's not going to be a good feeling when, oh man, I could have, if I would have, could have, should have. Now's the time to press in even more and pray, pray, pray. We need to become people like Elijah. In Malachi 4, it says the end times, it will be like the sending of Elijah. Elijah was one that was filled with boldness and faith and courage. He stood up against the prophets of Baal and Ashtoreth. One man took on hundreds of false prophets. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be salt and light. You and I are called to occupy until the Lord returns. We need to have the attitude, not on my watch. The devil ain't taking over my country on my watch. Amen. Amen. We've got to make a difference. We've got to stand firm. We've got to pray for revival in America. We've got to come together as a people and stop focusing on our differences. And stop letting the agitators on the devil's side sow discord amongst us because of who we are, where we came from, our background, our nationality, or the color of our skin. We are all in the family of God, believers in one God, with one spirit, with one word. We are the family and church of the Lord. We are essential. Amen. So we need to love one another, care for one another, believe the best in one another, pray for one another, come on, minister to one another. That's our destiny as believers. That's our calling, that's our mandate. And the closer we get, the easier it's going to be to see what side you're on. Are you reflecting the characteristics and attributes of the Lord? Or are you reflecting the attributes of the devil? We need to decide who we're going to serve. Bob Dylan wrote that song years ago. You got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. How many in here today are pledging to serve the Lord with all your heart and soul? Somebody give the Lord a big hand clap and thank the Lord there's a new world coming. There's a new world coming. Stand with me all over. I want to pray as we close. But I have a special prayer that I want to pray as we close. Our nation needs prayer. Our nation needs revival. Our nation needs unity. Our nation needs the love of God. Our nation needs to repent. 1 Timothy 2 says, I exhort that you make supplication, prayers, intercessions, and give the giving of thanks for all men, for kings, and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in godliness and reverence. We're going to just take a moment as we close. 
You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You have the evidence of praying in tongues. Just begin to pray softly right now for America. The Holy Spirit's going to use our prayer this morning to help bring change and miracle breakthrough to our nation. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, just begin to ask the Lord to be filled and just pray the best way you know how. But I'm going to lead us right now for a prayer of revival, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of forgiveness. Father God, we love you and worship you this morning that you have promised us a new world. There's a new world coming and our future in it is secure. And we're looking forward to that time where we'll forever be with you. But right now, Lord, while we're still here waiting for the full manifestation of redemption, we intercede for our nation. Father God, we come together as believers and pray, Father God, that you forgive us, that you would grant our nation a spirit of repentance, to repent for the pride and arrogance that we've had towards you. Father, to repent for the racism and prejudice, Father, that we've never gotten through and over. We, we repent for allowing secular humanists and ungodly elitists for seizing control in major areas of influence. Father, we repent of our self-centered lifestyles for all the crime and violence and murder, for the substance abuse and child abuse. We, Father, repent of the immorality, the divorce, the Christian silence, the Christian apathy, the abortions, the illegitimacies, all the alternative lifestyles that are sweeping our nation. Forgive us for these things. And Father, we pray that you would right now release an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and power on America. That you would bring, Father, renewed respect and honor towards the things of God. Father, that there would be a release of hunger and thirst for righteousness in every church across America. A revival in the churches. A revival in our nation. Bring racial healing and unity. Bring Christian boldness, a fresh anointing. Loosen, Lord, a spiritual awakening, a revival, a harvest of souls. Help our families to love one another. Our church family, help us to love one another and help us to be the answer, not the problem. Father, thank you so much that you love America. Thank you for helping us continue to be America as one nation under God. We love you, we worship you, and we thank you that the new world that's coming is the world that you promised. It's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be blessed. And we thank you that we're in that number in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. If you're in agreement with that, give the Lord a big, 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 big hand clap.